morning, Bethel. So good to see all of you this uh, wonderful Sunday in August. God has blessed us with some heat, has he not? Man, I have lived in Florida most of my entire life, and I have never felt a week like this past week. It is crazy. So uh, make sure you just find a body of water and stay close to it. That's the best way to survive this, uh, this Florida heat. Well, we are continuing on in our series in Joshua, and we're going to look at a very unique individual today, that gap of about 45 years in the the pages of Scripture, but God has given him a a wonderful story. And this man that we're going to look at today named Caleb is 85 years old. He is one of the older people that we find in Scripture. And, you know, as you get older in life, you start learning different things become a realization to you. I read this week that everything hurts, but what doesn't hurt doesn't work. I read the gleam in your eyes is from the sun hitting your bifocals. You sit in a rocking chair and you can't get it going. Your knees buckle, but your belt won't. You sink in your teeth into a stake, and they stay there. You're asleep, but others worry when you sleep that you're dead. Your back goes out more than you do. You enjoy hearing about others, other people's operations. People call at 9 p.m. and say, did I wake you? And your ears are hairier than your head. That is what happens as you get to the age of our character today of Caleb. Someone said old age is when you got it all together, but you can't remember where you put it. That is about the truth. Your your memory starts slipping. We're going to talk about Caleb, a man who had it all together. And at the age of 85, he knew where he put it. In the Bible, some men stand out above others. Throughout Scripture, you'll see that Moses outshines Joshua, but yet it was Joshua, not Moses, who conquered the promised land. Joshua outshines Caleb, yet Caleb, not Joshua, defeats the giants in the land. Six times we are told Caleb wholeheartedly followed the Lord, and that he was a mighty warrior for God. We're going to pick up today in Joshua chapter 14. We're kind of fast forwarding a little bit in our series here. The, they, after we finished in Ai and the last week, the, the battle with the, the Jebusites and the, the sun stands still, you know, the, the, defending the Gibeon, the nation of Israel went on to fight the Canaanites in the north part of Israel. They decided to fight them on the southern side of Israel, defeating most all of the Canaanite kings. There were a few left that we will see today. And Joshua starts dividing up the land among the 12 tribes, saying, this tribe you will have on this side of the Jordan River. This tribe you will have it here south of Galilee. And it's time for Caleb land, and we're going to see what he asked of Joshua today. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. The people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, 
Kinneyzite said to him. Ah, couldn't get that out today. And I practiced that this week. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and he gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Think about what this man has seen in his lifetime. He had been in Egypt. He had seen God part the Red Sea, the nation of Israel, walk across on dry land, and then collapse upon the Egyptian army. He had seen manna fall from heaven and feed the nation of Israel every day for 40 years. He had seen God dam up the Jordan River, the nation of Israel come across. He'd seen the walls of Jericho fall down. He had seen the nations of the kings of the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Hittites destroyed by God and the armies of Israel. So let's step back 45 years and let's look at what happened at Kadesh Barnea that Caleb referenced in this passage here. What happened in this story? Most of us know this story, even though you may not recognize the name Kadesh Barnea. Moses, you see, sent 12 spies into the land, each from the tribe of Israel, to scout the promised land. And after 40 days, the men came back with some good news and some bad news. The spies reported that the land was rich with milk and honey. 
They brought back grapes and pomegranates so the people could sample them. The promised land, it lived up to its name. It is somewhere that they wanted to live. It was worth the long trek through the wilderness. That was the good news. The bad news was much worse. You see, the cities were filled with hostile Canaanites who lived behind walled cities that seemed to stretch to the heavens. Furthermore, there were giants in the land, a host of physically intimidating bad guys who made the Jews feel like grasshoppers. In our verse that we just read in verse 12, it say how the Anakim were there. If you remember, Goliath was a son of Anakim from this tribe of giants that occupied the land. So when they came back after 40 days, these 12 spies, 10 of the spies concluded that there was no way because of the walled cities and the giants in the land, there was no way that the Jews could take the land. They would have to find some other place to live because if they invaded Canaan, they would all surely die. Two of the spies disagreed. You guess what their names were? Joshua and Caleb. They saw what the others saw, but they remembered the promise that God would be with them and give them the victory. Because the people gave in to their fear and they listened to the ten spies versus Joshua and Caleb, God sentenced them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the unbelieving generation died off. See, there are many lessons here, including the obvious one, that the majority is not always right. Often the majority is dead wrong. In this case, they were not only wrong, all ten unbelieving spies ended up dead, never entering again into the promised land. Some of you students this past week entered school feeling like Joshua and Caleb. Feeling like there is nobody else in this school who believes in the promises of God. That does not make them any less true. The majority is not right. While the people were making up their minds, Caleb made this impassioned plea to the nation of Israel. Let's look at it. Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all of the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred to us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. 
He says, they are bread to us. He means, we're going to eat them up. Why? Because our God is on our side. We believe in the promise of our God that says he will give us this land. Caleb saw the problems. You see, he saw those same walled cities. He saw those same giants that the ten spies did. It's, it's not as if he's denying their report. He knows that it's going to be a tough fight, but Caleb knows he serves a big God. He understands that one man plus God equals the majority. It's as if he is saying, come on, boys. Strap on your belts, pick up your swords, grab your helmets, let's go take this land that God has said he's going to give to us. But because the people gave in to their fears and they were afraid to fight, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and slowly the whole unbelieving generation died off. And the only two that were allowed to cross into the promised land were the two who believed in the promises of God. Joshua and Caleb. So now we fast forward 45 years. After Moses has died, Joshua led the new generation across the Jordan River. Jericho falls. Ai falls. They conquer the cities to the south and to the north, and it becomes time to divide up the land among the tribes and start settling in. And here comes Caleb. He's 85, but he acts like he's 40. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, you see those commercials on TV. It reminds me of the story of the, the great baseball player, Frank Thomas. You know, his nickname was the Big Hurt because he could smack that baseball. You know, he does these commercials that you'll see on TV every now and then that talks about, hey, just take this supplement. It gives you energy and stamina. This is what we need. You know, for, for, for Caleb, we need whatever supplement Caleb was taking, whatever program he was on, because at 85, this man had not lost his desire to serve the Lord. He was going strong. He believed once a soldier, always a soldier. He wasn't retired. He was ready to fight. And consider what God said about Caleb in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. He said, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. How would you like to have that on your tombstone said by God? He has a different spirit. There's something different about him. He's not like the others. That is the secret to his life. He served the Lord fully. Why did God bless Caleb? Let's look at several things here this morning. He believed God when others didn't. When others did not, he believed God. Peer pressure can be good or bad. It's never easy to go against the crowd, especially when your friends are going the other direction. At Kadesh Barnea, it was Joshua and Caleb trying to convince the whole 
nation of Israel. That should not have been hard because the people that they were trying to convince saw God do the miracles of the plagues upon the Egyptians. They saw all of the mighty work of God, but yet they were afraid. They followed the doubters. I'm sure that the other ten spies were persuasive with all of their talk of walled cities and giants that made them feel like grasshoppers, you see, because fear is contagious. When you look at history, you see whole nations succumb to fear. Who wants to enter a battle thinking there is no way you can win? That is how the Israelites felt. Besides, how could ten men get it so totally wrong? Who are you going to believe? The ten or the two? It's human nature for people to follow the naysayers. That doesn't make it right, but that is what happened. If enough people repeat a lie, pretty soon the lie begins to sound like the truth. That's what Satan does, taking the truth of God's word and flipping it upside down and making it sound something totally different, switching the paradigm. If enough people repeat a lie, pretty soon the lie begins to sound like the truth. How we go from a Western world that almost everyone believed in the God of the Bible to have a man espousing a truth that there is no God. So now we have the largest, the fastest growing religious, I call it religious because it is a religion, of people who say there is no God taking a lie and believing it as a truth. It sounded perfectly reasonable, and from a purely human point of view, the spies were right. The Jews didn't stand a chance on their own, but they forgot the fact that God gave them a promise. That promise was, I will be with you. No greater promise. We today have that same promise for those who are followers in Christ. You see, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit takes up residence in your heart and in your life, so God is ever present with us. He says, I am with So many times in our lives, we act just like the rest of the nation of Israel. We get discouraged. We feel this anxiety. We feel this borderline depression happening because we forget this promise. That God is with us. Man, grab onto that. Take that with you when you walk through the door of school or through the office door this next week. Knowing that the battle you are going to face, you cannot on your own. But we have the promise 
but God is with us. Give Caleb the credit he deserves. When the whole nation gave in to fear, Joshua and Caleb stood up to the multitude. They were right, and the majority was dead wrong. Number two, he never let hold of God's promise. Caleb was 40 years old when Moses sent out the 12 spies to check out the promised land. And after the children of Israel made the wrong choice, and they were judged to wander the land for 40 years, Joshua and Caleb were there with them through those 40 years of wandering. They had to hear, I wish we were back in Egypt. I'm sick of this manna. Why are we wandering around in circles? Moses stinks as a leader. If I were in charge, I'd get this thing organized. Read Numbers, the book of Numbers. It's all there. The people complained and moaned and griped for 40 years when they could have been living in the promised land had they believed the promise of God. It must have been wearisome to Joshua and Caleb to think, man, we believe the promises of God. And we're having to deal with all of this mess. I'm sure Joshua and Caleb got tired of the constant complaining. But now, 45 years in the future, they're in the promised land. Moses is dead. The unbelieving generation is dead. General Joshua has led them to a long string of victories. The whole land is stretched out in front of them. And after 45 years... Caleb steps back onto the pages of history. He's an old man now, way past retirement age, but somebody forgot to tell him he was too old. So he said, Joshua, I want the hill country. You're divvying up all the land between the tribes, the tribe of Judah that I'm a part of, we want that hill country. He said, give me the giants. I knew 45 years ago that my God was strong enough to defeat them. And I served that same God 45 years later. And we're going to take that land. We're going to take Hebron. And you see, why was Hebron so significant to the nation of Israel? When Abraham died, the only land he owned was the sacred burial ground at Machpelah in Hebron. He bought it from Ephron the Hittite for 400 shekels of silver in Genesis chapter 23. Abraham purchased the land so he could bury his wife Sarah. And over the years, it became the final resting place for many of Israel's founders. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob. Leah, were all buried in the hill country of Hebron. Hebron was in the hands of the pagan Canaanites, and as far as Caleb was concerned, that land belonged to the people of Israel. And he said, I'm going to take it back. I want that mountain. Joshua, give us 
that mountain. He never forgot what that land meant. And at an age when most men are slowing down, Caleb was just getting started. He had the pedal to the metal, and he was not going to ease up. It's the old phrase, if you're not dead, you're not done. God still has work for you to do. So we see that he never let go of God's promise. Number three, he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. This fact explains Caleb's success. Six times between Numbers and Joshua, we are told he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. The famous speaker, James Montgomery Boyce, when he spoke on Caleb, he pointed out that great men of history tend to be simple men. They are men captured by one big idea. Weak men have divided loyalty, so they can never commit to a whole heart to anything. They are here, there, and everywhere all the time. They're never totally committed to anything. But Caleb was a simple man at the core. He believed God. He remembered his promises. And at his old age, he was ready to claim what God has promised him. Men that do great things are men that remember one thing. To be wholly committed to follow the Lord. You want to be a great dad, a great husband, a great wife, co-worker, mother, grandmother. One thing. We can be simple people. And focus on one thing. Wholly committed to follow the Lord. You see, Caleb didn't consult with the daily tracking pole of the day. When it was time to divide up the land, he didn't go to the leaders of the tribe of Judah and say, where do you guys want to live? You know, I see some nice area over here on the Mediterranean. Or there's some area over here where we've already conquered the people. No. He was committed to fulfilling what he started 45 years earlier. Every day he got up, he determined in his heart to follow the Lord. In that sense, he is the exact opposite of a double-minded man that James talks about in James chapter 1, tossed to and fro by the winds of popularity and public opinion. The double-minded man can never make up his mind about anything, but Caleb was different. If God said, take the land, Caleb said, boys, get your swords. It's time to go to war. So many times in life, we see... And we know what God is asking us to do in our homes and the workplace. But we are too weak to do what we know God wants us to do. We don't have the spirit of Caleb. So what really happened back at Kadash Barnea? Ten spies said, look how big those giants are compared to us. And Caleb said, look how small they are compared to our God. So many times, we have the, our own 
Kadosh Barnea in our life, when we look at it, we say, look how big this problem is. And we act more like the ten spies instead of the two, and we forget how big our God is. The cowards say they are too big for us to fight, and Caleb says they're too big for us to miss. We need that spirit today. We've got plenty of nice people, Christian people, who just go along to get along. They want to stand for Christ, but they're worried about what others will think. They intend to make a stand, but when the time comes, they're nowhere to be found. They are summer soldiers or sunshine patriots who disappear when the bullets start flying. If we are going to conquer the giants in our life with God's help, someone will have to say, when we have the promise of God, let's go. I want that mountain. You know, as I was reading about Caleb this week, I ran across this poem that I'd never seen before, and it was great, that sums up Caleb's story. It says, He stood before Joshua with flashing eyes. Give me this mountain before I die. But Caleb, you're old and the mountain is high. Choose a peaceful spot on this plain to die. The people who live on the mountain are strong. The battle you will fight will be bloody and long. His eyes never wavered as he spoke without fear. I've been promised this mountain for 45 years. And as for the people being mighty and tall, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. For it's not my strength on which I'm counting. For the Lord is going to give me that mountain. So let's quit talking while there's still light. For the Lord and I have a battle to fight. With that in mind, we all are faced, really every day, with a Kadesh Barnea moment in our life. And as we face that moment, we must resolve, never release from God's promise, never retire from serving God, and never retreat from the enemy. You see, the thing that was made Caleb so special is that he was different because he followed the Lord. Do you have the spirit of Caleb? How many of you saw the giants in your life and got discouraged this past week and forgot that God was on your side? You see, God, through Christ, conquered the greatest giant in all of our lives. The greatest giant that we face is that of sin and death, and hell. And God sent Christ to this earth to live the perfect life that we should have lived, died the death that we should have died, and conquered the greatest giant on our behalf. So that as we face struggles in life, we can know that the battle has already been won because Christ conquered death and hell. 
No matter our age, God has called us to finish strong wherever he puts us in life. Let's allow the story of Caleb to be an encouragement and a challenge to us. Will you have, as numbers recorded, the spirit of Caleb, one who follows the Lord when everybody else doesn't? Let's pray.